Today on the Bourbon Bites podcast, I'm reviewing Barrel Seagrass 16-Year Grey Label and comparing it to the standard on-the-shelf release. Plus, I'm talking about some new whiskeys and video games coming out this month. and welcome to the Bourbon Bites podcast. I'm your host Clifton and today I am so excited to dive into a bottle that I've been wanting to get my hands on since it came out. So if you've been following me on YouTube or just anywhere in general, you'll know that my favorite whiskey of 2021 was Barrel Seagrass. Yes, this was a rye whiskey that was finished in rum casks, Madeira cask, and apricot brandy barrels. Something about it was so unique and so delicious. I just had to list it as my number one whiskey of last year. Well, now there is a brand new release from Barrel. It is called Barrel Seagrass 16 years old. Now this is a gray label bottle. It's one of their more premium products. And the folks at Barrel were very kind to send me a sample of this release. So today I'm going to be comparing the standard on the shelf release, which was again, my favorite whiskey of last year to this brand new high end 16 year old release. So let's, let's get into this. So I, I went ahead and poured both of them at the same time. Um, we're going to start with Barrel Seagrass, just the standard release. Um, one of my favorite things ever. I keep going back to it and just realizing how much I love it. It's just so unique, so delicious. The one I have is Batch 2, and it's 119.3 proof. So I'm really excited to go back to this and, uh, I guess, see what I loved about it. So let's go ahead and give that a nose. Oh man, it's so unique. And just something about this bottle just really just, just shocks me in like the best way. Um, it's unlike any rye whiskey I've had before. It's unlike any whiskey I've had before. I think it's maybe the combination of the rum and the Madeira cask and even that apricot brandy because apricot brandy is not a cask I've ever had before <laughs> in relation to whiskey. Uh, so I think just the combination of that being a cask strength and just being a barrel product, I just knew it was something that I, I immediately fell in love with. So I'm really excited to revisit it and uh, give it a go. So cheers. Oh man, that one just continues to impress me. It's so sweet. It's almost like a candy sweetness. Um, and like I said, unlike any rye I've had before, it does have that like brightness of a rye whiskey, but um, something about the way it presents itself at cast strength and those those intense finishes. I think the rum cask is giving it that sweetness. I think the brandy is giving that really unique twist that, again, I've never experienced on a whiskey. I've bought a backup bottle to my backup bottle of this one. It's just, it's one that I don't want to ever disappear. I hope it's a permanent addition to to Barrel's lineup. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just completely different and unique. And that's, that's absolutely what I love about it. So again, this definitely deserved the spot as my number one whiskey of last year, um, hands down. But now let's turn our palettes to Barrel Gray Label Seagrass. So this one is a 16-year-old expression of Barrel Seagrass. Now, the original release is a blend. It says it was distilled in Kentucky, Indiana, Tennessee, and Canada. But this new 16-year-old release is only distilled in Canada. So this is 100% Canadian rye um, that they used to make this. But it's still finished in the same rum, Madeira, and apricot brandy casks. 
And this release comes in at 130.82 proof. So it's a good 10 proof points hotter than the original release. And they say that this gray label release began with two groups of 16 year old, 100% Canadian rye whiskey. One had a bright citrus and crisp green apple note and the other one with earthy spearmint notes. This final product has an MSRP of $250, which is a very significant price increase compared to the on the shelf barrel seagrass that I know and love. Um, now I do know this one has an age statement is 16 years old. It's also not blended with American whiskeys. This is just 16 year old Canadian whiskey, but that is a huge jump in price. I will say this last bottle of barrel seagrass that I picked up as a backup um, was about 85 or $90. So we're talking like $150 more than that bottle. Now I'm really curious to see how this compares. That's why I wanted to do them side by side. And I considered doing this on a live stream, but you know, with two different bottles like this on a live stream, I would feel compelled to, you know, compare them to a few other things and, you know, add some other barrel products to it to fill the hour. But I figured the podcast was the perfect platform for this because I could really take my time with these two releases, do a little comparing and contrasting, and then give you guys the usual, you know, news at the end of the podcast. But I just thought this would be really, really fun to do. And hopefully you're enjoying listening along. All right, let's go ahead and give the barrel seagrass gray label 16 year a nose. Oh yeah, that's very different. Wow. Whereas the regular release was a lot sweeter on the nose, this is a lot more whiskey forward. And by that, I don't necessarily mean like, you know, the typical whiskey notes. This definitely, I mean, my experience with Canadian whiskey, especially like higher age Canadian whiskeys, falls back on that softer note. There's like a sweet, soft whiskey note that I associate with Canadian. Some of you may have seen, I did a stream of JP Weiser's Canadian all the way up to their 35 year old, if it was 32 or 35 year old. Um, but I had some really, really well aged Canadian whiskey. Um, some of it was at cast strength and it just it kind of blew my mind and changed my opinion on Canadian whiskey. Um, I'm definitely getting some of those notes on this one. It's, it's still a little bit softer. Again, 16 years in the world of Canadian whiskey isn't quite that old, but still it's, it's definitely um, whiskey forward on the nose. Wow, this whiskey is whiskey forward. How how insightful, Cliffy. <laughs> but what I'm saying is the finish isn't as dominant as uh, the regular release. But I think to really understand and appreciate this whiskey, I'm gonna have to give it a taste. So cheers guys and thanks again, Barrel, for the sample. Whew, wow. <laughs> that proof definitely stands out. That is, wow, that is hot. Like I said, we're going from 119.3 proof all the way up to 130.82. So a pretty massive jump there, especially when we're talking about literally the same whiskey. Um, it's so interesting to see how much hotter that drinks. And while it's hot, it's it's a little more subtle. That's really interesting. So I think the regular barrel seagrass is so dominant with those finished notes. And I, I really love that about that. You know, you got the sweetness from the rum, maybe a little bit of weird funkiness from the apricot. This one, though, even though it has all those elements, is a lot more cohesive and less like weird, if that makes sense. It, it drinks more like a traditional whiskey. Not necessarily uninteresting, but a lot more, uh, I guess, one-dimensional than the regular seagrass, which again, it kind of makes sense, right? This isn't the Kentucky rye, the Indiana rye that's blended in the standard release. This is 100% that Canadian rye. And when I say one-dimensional, like, please don't think I just mean that, you know, completely negative. I do think it is a really, really nice flavor. I think you're getting a little bit of funk from that apricot brandy cask finish. There's like a little bit of like a funky fruitiness on the finish. Um, I'm not getting hardly any of the sweetness that I got from the rum cask on the first one. Um, maybe a little bit of that Madeira cask is kind of giving it a little bit more backing to that fruitiness because with the the apricot i'm getting some like bright citrusy fruits but i i associate the madeira cask with more of the 
darker fruits on this one. And there is just such a slight hint of that funkiness, but really the rye whiskey in this is what dominates. This is a very, very good rye whiskey. It has kind of like a little dusty kind of note, like a kind of like vintage kind of like library old book kind of note, which is rare on a rye whiskey. I usually get that on a bourbon. So it's really cool to pick that up on a rye. And I got to say that proof really lends to a long finish. This one lingers on the palate so long. Um, it's really nice. It, it balances out. It's not like too hot on the finish. It's not like a drying finish. It's a very like uh, smooth finish, dare I say. Um, but man, that tastes like a very exquisite whiskey. And, you know, at the $250 price point, I can, I can see why it's that price. Um, but I mean, you guys know me, right? I always try to find, you know, the best bang for your buck, the best value, not necessarily the cheapest, you know, while I do review occasional, you know, $20 whiskeys, I, I tend to stick, you know, if, if I'm being perfectly honest, most of my whiskeys are the 60 to probably a hundred dollar price point. Um, just my collection in general, I do have some that are higher and some that are lower, but I think this one is, you know, not quite in my price range, obviously. Um, now I will say I, I have reviewed the barrel gold label, which is a $500 whiskey. And I got to say that one was literally one of the best whiskeys I've ever tasted. I could tell that that was a very, very high quality whiskey. Would I buy it? No, because you know, I'm cheap, <laughs> but to me, that one stood on its own as just a premium exquisite whiskey. Now this one does have those similar notes. Like I said, I described it as exquisite a minute ago. Um, do I think it's nearly as good as the gold label? No, not personally. Um, do I think it's better than the barrel seagrass, you know, the on the shelf? Uh, that's better is so hard to say. For me, someone that loved the last seagrass, I love those funky notes. I love that sweetness from the rum. And I just loved how unique it was. Yeah, it may not have been the oldest, you know, whiskey. There's definitely some younger whiskey in it. But the palate of the original one is such a delicious, delicious pour. Even after trying the 16-year, you know, which one would I rather sip on all night? Probably the standard barrel seagrass. Not that this isn't good. It's just, you know, outside of my price range. But now I think it's time to move on to some whiskey and gaming news because we are in a new month now, April 2022. Um, I love talking about new releases in whiskey and video games. And one of these is extremely relevant to today's review because I did a little stalking on the TTB. Honestly, no, I didn't. Um, coming whiskey on Instagram definitely did the stalking. <laughs> but there is a new label for a barrel dovetail gray label, six. 16 years sound familiar you bet it does now this is a 16 year age dated just like the seagrass we just tried it is cast strength and this label has 131.54 proof on the label and they mentioned on the back of it that this 16 year old edition of dovetail incorporates some of our oldest rarest stocks giving its flavor profile elegant new depth it's bottled at castrant so you can experience its true flavor now that's a quote from joe beatrice you know is the master behind barrel um yeah so stay tuned i'll definitely keep you guys updated if i do get a sample of that i will 100 do a live stream comparing this the seagrass and the dovetail um as well as the 16 year version so keep an eye out uh, if you're not yet following me on YouTube, youtube.com slash bourbonbites. I go live every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, this week, I just did a live stream with Milk and Honey, which is an Israeli whiskey. 
Um, I actually have on their global sales representative as well as the national sales director of Impex Beverages, who y'all may know from uh, Single Cast Nation, Joshua Hatton, the literally the founder of Single Cast Nation. Such an incredible person. I'm so excited to have him on the show. Um, if y'all are listening to this, that show has already aired. So hopefully it went well. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit starstruck having him on the show. So um, I'm very, very excited to try these Israeli whiskeys. Um, if y'all missed that, check out the replay over on YouTube. Um, I have some amazing guests coming up um, later this month as well as into May. Um, just some really incredible people that have reached out to me and I've reached out to and they want to be on the show. So I'm so excited. So definitely stay tuned to YouTube, but also, you know, make sure to follow me on whatever podcast platform you're listening to because um, I do a little bit of different content for each of these. And this was definitely more news focused. Um, but yeah, I, I, I absolutely love doing both of them. So follow me um, wherever you see me. <laughs> So there are a few other whiskey releases that are coming out sooner rather than later. One of these is Kentucky Owl's The Wise Man Rye. So I have not personally had a chance to try the Wise Man bourbon. So this rye whiskey is 50.4% ABV. The MSRP is $60. It came out last month. Um, it is a bit limited though. It is a Kentucky straight rye whiskey, which is interesting. Mashville is 95% rye, um, which we see a lot of in Indiana. So it's really interesting to see a rye with that mash spill. And reading a bit further, I do see the name of their current master blender, John Rea. I think I'm pronouncing that right. He's formerly of Four Roses. This is actually his third release with Kentucky Owl. Um, the first being Wise Man, the second being the Kentucky Owl St. Patrick's Edition, which I actually reviewed over on YouTube on a, during a St. Patrick's Day live stream. That was a ton of fun. Uh, so check that out. Now this may be, you know, a younger rye whiskey. We don't know for sure. It does. It does say it's a straight rye, so we know it's at least two years old. Uh, but we don't know much more beyond that. So I'm very curious to learn more about that one. Haven't seen it here in Southern California, but if I do, I'll let you guys know uh, if they have some more information about where it came from. Now, another new release that I'm very excited about, unfortunately, probably won't get my hands on based on the price, is Compass Box Velicor. Um, now, I had to look this up. I'm definitely not this, you know, educated. Um, but Velicor actually is described as the scent of secondhand bookshops, which is crazy coincidence because did I not just say that this barrel seagrass had a bit of a vintage, um, you know, old book note? I promise I did not, like, plan this. This is literally research in the moment. But this whiskey is literally made to replicate that note. And I love that note on a whiskey. Um, they said they began the quest to recreate this fragrance in a scotch whiskey. So they say their search was met with success when a distiller and bottler in the north of Scotland offered us cask of whiskeys, which had been blended together in the past before being returned to ex sherry butts for further maturation. Whiskeys, like old books, contain their own stories. It's a really cool label. It's like a bunch of old books and like a drawing of, you know, a philosophy or something along the lines of that. Um, but man, I can't imagine how interesting this whiskey would be. The majority of it is from Highland Park. 38.9% of that is actually from there. Um, then an additional 29.3% is a blended malt parcel, um, which I don't really know what that means. Uh, <laughs> educated Scotch people, let me know in the in the comments or an email on Discord or something. I don't really know what that means. It's definitely a term I'm not familiar with. There's also some Kalila in there, some Macallan, 
I know very little about this one. I am so intrigued though, because I love that old book note. So if anyone happens to have a sample of this one, I would absolutely love to try it on the podcast or the channel. Would definitely give you a shout out. <laughs> but seriously, I know I appreciate all samples that come in to me, whether it's from brands or from you guys. Um, I love the opportunity to try things and review them that, you know, I would normally wouldn't, you know, go out of my way to purchase. Like I said, this one, I, this one is pricey. This one, it comes in at $450. So it's definitely definitely outside of my price range. It is 44.6% ABV and was released this month. So if you guys have had it, let me know. But yeah, <laughs> a little too expensive for me. And lastly, let's talk about some new video game releases coming this month. Um, I always love to do this at the beginning of the month just to kind of talk about what's coming soon. Um, one of the biggest, most anticipated games that I've been hearing so much about is a new Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. So, you know, Lego Star Wars, they've had multiple releases of this game, um, whether it's based on the individual movies or kind of like some combinations of them in the past. But this one just came out this week, and this is actually the whole Skywalker Saga in one video game. Now, I haven't really played one since probably, I played the Lego world, of course, um, but I played like Lego Harry Potter, but this one honestly looks really good. I love that it condenses, you know, the whole story down to, you know, a, a single video game. It's probably focusing on the biggest moments from all of those films. Um, honestly, it looks like a ton of fun to play based on what I've seen of it. Now, traditionally, these games go on sale pretty often, so I'll probably wait a bit before I pick this one up. But speaking of Star Wars, there's another Star Wars game coming out this month. It's called Star Wars The Force Unleashed. That is coming to Nintendo Switch on April 20th. You get to play as Darth Vader's secret apprentice who aims to seek out and destroy the Jedi. So this is actually similar to a 2008 game that came out on Nintendo Wii. So you can use your Joy-Cons to really, you know, <laughs> embrace the power of the Force, as they say. Um, but it's really focused on you know, doing different combos and doing one-on-one -on -one combat. There's local multiplayer as well as, you know, a whole campaign there as well. And in this campaign, you get to discover the untold story of the secret apprentice set between Star Wars Revenge of the Sith and Star Wars A New Hope. It says you travel through different galaxies and defeat Jedi Masters who stand in your way to carry out Darth Vader's commands. So a bit more in depth to the Star Wars universe that, you know, I am as a casual, <laughs> a casual fan, but either way, it still looks like a ton of fun. Um, yeah, especially if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to love that one. And one other Switch game is coming out later this month. I've actually hinted at it on a previous podcast. This is Nintendo Switch Sports, which is the follow-up to Wii Sports. This is coming out on the 26th of April, um, but this is basically a whole new iteration. It comes with six new games, including soccer, volleyball, bowling, tennis, badminton, and swordplay. Ooh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> but no, seriously, I've looked at the, the trailers of this game. It looks like so much fun. It has both local multiplayer and online multiplayer. So I'm definitely going to be playing this here with my husband. But if you guys get this game, let me know. I would love to do an online like soccer or tennis match with you guys. It seems like so much fun. So definitely 100% going to be buying that one. Um, and let me know if you guys are picking it up too. But I think that does it for this week's episode. I'm sorry if it's a little long. I just got so excited about all these new releases. And I want to give you guys a real honest, in-depth review of this new barrel seagrass 16 years. So thank you all so much for listening. This has been Bourbon Bites Whiskey Reviews with a Gaming Twist. I'm Clifton. Cheers. And I'll talk to you next episode.